What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to the Window Canada Sports Betting Podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, well, that was quite the way to start the restart. A literally unbelievable weekend in the NHL and a pretty decent showing for us down in the bubble, too. Everything we learned from what might have been a 10-0 start on NHL sides and how we landed on the bet all the unders except for Edmonton-Chicago strategy. Golf stuff, the best Formula One bet ever to lose. Then it's Monday's card, some interesting concepts when it comes to value in game two, and if you should bet these games at all. Time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. Monster edition of Don't Look Back in Anger to start things off on a Monday, and it feels so, so good. Not necessarily because we had a great weekend, though we did, but it was just great to have all the action happening. First off, let's just remember this weekend when things aren't going great, because that will happen, that's how this works, and to sit here and say that you should be listening to this, or you're missing out, or whatever in some touty way... It just isn't me, and it's disingenuous, but that being said, here's what you heard on the playoff preview and Friday's show when it comes to the NHL. Carolina is a is good at a game-to-game number below minus 140. Of course, they went to minus 120, and we pounced. Chicago is worth a play at a higher number. If that number comes down a great deal, then Edmonton becomes a play. Very much on the fence there. But if you were listening early in the week when the preview came out, you probably jumped on Chicago at that point. I'll tell you right now, I wish I had. I did get caught in that sort of numbers game once the uh, once the money line for Edmonton went down to like a minus one thirty six. That crosses the barrier for me uh, from a probability standpoint, right? Like I've got that number lined at around minus 145. So while it's at minus 150, that's not a bet for me. And on the flip side, if Chicago is only getting, you know, plus 150 type of number, that's not necessarily a bet for me. If you made that bet, great. That's awesome. I was holding out for something higher. Uh, Edmonton came way, way down below that threshold where 136 was a bet for me, and it'll be a bet for me again. And, you know, it brings up an interesting point. We'll get to that sort of in a minute here. Um, But you also heard that I loved the Islanders. I loved Calgary, all right? Big on both those, series, game, all of it. And that Pittsburgh and Montreal is closer than you think it is, and that Montreal is a must bet. Or at the very least, Pittsburgh is an absolute no way bet. Can't happen under any circumstances at that number. I said that Arizona should be favored over Nashville, so any plus money is a play on them. A very close to a coin flip, I will say, as I've got it at about a 52%, but anything is a plus play on them. Philly is live for the one seed. I've got my one seed bet and a two-unit play over Boston without Rask. Of course, the Rask news came down Sunday, and I immediately tweeted out, if this number's not going to move, then I've got to put another unit down on Philadelphia because that's ridiculous. Rask means something to that team, and maybe that line was built 
with the sports books out there knowing that Rask wasn't going to play. And if that's the case, that's a terrible line to begin with. And there's a decent chance that with all of the action that was happening over the course of this weekend in all these different leagues, that some stuff just falls through the cracks. And making Philadelphia plus 120 against Boston with Halak in the net is a mistake line. And that is what we have to do. We have to pounce on these mistake lines. Again, sometimes it's not going to work out because sometimes, you know, sports happen and, you know, these things just don't go our way but you have to keep making these bets. And in this case, a second unit was in order uh, according to my numbers. I felt like Colorado should be favored, but we were looking at a minus 110 on either side. Uh, listen, again, we'll get to that game. Columbus is going to give Toronto hell and plus 150 is way too high. You heard that here, sure enough. Minnesota-Vancouver is a coin flip that wasn't priced that way early on the week. It would eventually be that way, right? So that's the market figuring it out that Minnesota has no business being an underdog necessarily to Vancouver. Maybe a minus 110 on either side. I get that. There's going to be value on all the unders. I believe that's what you heard here, except for Edmonton and Chicago because we know that's going to be a gong show. We talked about how scoring is difficult when you are not in postseason shape for the intensity of postseason defenses, right? Simply put, your offensive output is based on effort and, uh, you know, just being physically capable of working, right? The work that goes into scoring a goal in the National Hockey League there's no way that the conditioning level is going to be high enough to compete with where the defenses will will be at, right? Sure enough, literally every game went under except for Chicago and Edmonton and except for Nashville and Arizona. Uh, full disclosure, we're taping this right now while Vancouver and Minnesota are still playing because it's the only way this podcast gets to you early enough on Monday. So... Minnesota up 2-0 right now. Uh, of course, that's well under the 5.5 goal total. If that stays the same, you can do the math all you want on that. Either way, before even counting the Minnesota-Vancouver game, we're talking about you know 8-1, 9-0 if you made the early bet on Chicago and didn't get sucked into the low price on Edmonton. How about the totals? Unders go seven and two, with Edmonton and Chicago being one as the of the overs. So eight and one in totals, with Minnesota and Vancouver still pending. So worst case, sixteen and two, if you just went letter of the law on what we talked about in the previews. Is that any good? Are we having fun yet? Obviously, there's six series bets still out there, but how about those odds now? Plenty of games to go, but at least we might be on the right track here with our analytics based, you know, along with some other stuff, but our analytics based handicapping here. So let's get quickly a little bit more specific. Carolina and the Rangers way back on Saturday afternoon, pretty dominant performance by Carolina that got kind of bogged down by seven power plays for both sides, right? It's hard to sort of keep that level of dominance five on five that I think that they would have sort of you know, it would have shown a little bit more had there been any sort of continuity from a five-on-five -five perspective. Hard to imagine that many power play chances going forward, but with all of those power plays, you know, the 14 power plays only contributed to one goal towards the total. 
right? So, you know, a shorthanded goal late for New York, also an outlier, uh, but they also, you know, did avoid uh, an empty net goal as well. So, you know, if there was to be 14 more power plays, which I don't think is going to happen, you know, it's not like the total was inflated because of those power plays, right? So I think this is could very well be another safe under going forward, but we'll talk about that when we get to Monday's slate. Chicago and Edmonton. So this is interesting. And it brought up a, a really good conversation, I thought, on Twitter about the concept of, you know, a sort of hindsight after the fact, you know, who who is, you know, should have been more favored, less favored, like Edmonton was too, you know, too favored in this area, Chicago too much of an underdog. And all of that, of course, is like very easy to say after watching Chicago get out to that hot start. And of course, once a game kind of goes, you know, 3-1, 4-1 that easy, you know, the games can get out of hand and they certainly follow a different script, right? It's like in the NFL. If a team goes up three touchdowns in the first half, the second half is going to be considerably different than what it was going to look like from a play calling standpoint. Obviously different from, you know, Edmonton's perspective. They're not calling plays necessarily, but, you know, maybe they're taking extra chances, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea of the pricing here, and it's like, you know, the answer to that question is yes, Edmonton clearly was over-favored, and Chicago was getting the best of that price, and that's what the market's for. And so the number gets pushed down throughout the week to the point where Edmonton actually became statistically uh, the value side, right, as far as actually using the numbers and the analytics to determine a win percentage probability and extrapolate a money line. Right. And so, yeah, the market took care of that. Right. To the idea that Edmonton shouldn't have been favored at all or that they should have been favored lower than 135 just doesn't really make any sense based because it's not based on anything. Right. It's just sort of based on hindsight in that they lost the first game. Right. Teams lose the first game all the time. So why the move? Well, you know, again, sort of retrospect type of thing here. Mike Smith, somewhat of a surprise starter, which again, that's sort of the, I don't want to call it shady, but that's sort of the underground business here that we're dealing with in that that line starts to move probably because we find out that Mike Smith is the starting goalie. And you have to understand here that that is a really big deal. In some cases, it's not, it's not as much of a big deal but in the case of Edmonton, it is, right? Mike Smith, remember our goaltending metric, GSAA, goals saved above average. Mike Smith, a minus seven on the season, right? Seven goals below average this season. That's good for 51st in the entire league. On the flip side, Koskinen, plus nine, 16th in the entire league. So a terrible decision from Edmonton, and that's what was reflected in that line move, I believe. You could also make the case that, yeah, everybody just got really excited about the possibility of betting on Kane and Taves in the playoffs at a plus, you know, 150 type of a price and shoved it all the way down to like plus one, you know, in the 120s. But you can't tell me that statistically there is anything from the Blackhawks last three seasons, let alone this season, that would tell you that they should be 
underdogs of that low, right? The number is closer to plus 150, or at least it should be. So the move gets made because, you know, people like Chicago still, again, haven't won a playoff series in five years, haven't been to the playoffs in three years. You know, again, brand names, and we'll talk about that in a little bit here, but Kane, Taves, Keith, those are brand name guys. Not to say that Dreisaitl and McDavid aren't, but there's an element of trust, right, that people put in to what they've seen. And, of course, they've seen the Blackhawks have great success in the playoffs, even if it hasn't been for a really, really long time. So, yeah, was Edmonton overfavored? Well, they lost the game, so in hindsight, sure. But nothing statistically says that's actually the case going forward. And, again, we'll talk about Monday's game and where that line is going and why it's going in that direction. Islanders and Florida, I mean, pretty much exactly kind of what we expected in a lot of ways in that it was going to be criminally boring, but that's what the Islanders want to do. That's not necessarily what Florida wants to do. So feeling pretty good about the control that the Islanders will have over the pace of that series, hopefully a little bit more offense from them uh, when it comes to actually sort of you know, closing this series out, which, you know, after one game, we're sort of getting near the close it out type of, you know, portion of the program. Montreal and Pittsburgh. Obviously, I don't have to tell you the big game of the weekend for me. I feel like I would have traded all these other games just for Montreal. I would have made a series of deals with anybody who would have asked about, to get an overtime goal from Montreal. Fortunately, nobody was around uh, in order to take advantage of me from that standpoint. Uh, really interesting, kind of chaotic game in a lot of ways. You know, Carey Price keeping the puck out of the net early on. A lot of people give him credit for that. I felt like he was a little bit uh, hyperactive. Like, he sort of made me uncomfortable. That being said, like, I've lived through a Roberto Luongo era in Vancouver, so I either know what that looks like or I'm shell-shocked and have PTSD from that. So it's, you know, a little bit difficult to sort of rein myself in when talking about goaltenders, quality goaltenders who just move a lot in the net. Uh, what we were looking for from Montreal, right, is a higher conversion level from high danger areas. Now, they didn't get a ton of uh, opportunities five on five to score, but what they did do is they did convert, and they got three goals, uh, even strength, right? And I certainly think that's more than their sub 10% average uh, this season on their conversion rate, right? Three goals, even strength, high danger scoring spots in every single one of them. I don't think they had 30 of those chances, so they certainly did better than 10%. And that was sort of the first step, right? And then the next step was, you know, keeping Pittsburgh's power play out of the game. Well, the bad news for Montreal was they were unable to do that. The good news was, like the playoffs last year, Pittsburgh unable to score in an efficient way on the power play. So... You know, and again, literally right down the middle as far as we even had two uh, penalty shots for either side, two atrociously taken penalty shots for either side. So in both instances, you know, again, maybe Pittsburgh had the majority of the play, but it's hard to tell when they're spending 14 minutes of the game on the power play, right? So... I'll be interested to see sort of from a five-on-five five perspective in game two, you know, does that even out a little bit? 
because I'm not going to say that Montreal got lucky to win that game necessarily because it wasn't weighted all that much from a possession standpoint, but certainly as power play after power play seems to pile up. And listen, there's a couple of shaky calls that, you know, again, it, you could make the whole, this is the playoffs, blah, 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 you know, that whole story. And believe me, I would given, you know, sort of how annoying that was at time you know time to time but we saw it with carolina and new york too where the whistles were getting blown pretty aggressively so not going to complain about that too much especially after the fact especially after getting the win um plus 160 early on for montreal on that money line and of course a series number that's adjusted to the point where montreal is now favored right and if you want to go and take pittsburgh at plus 130 or whatever it is feel free to do it um you know again short series Keeping in mind, you need Pittsburgh to win three of the next four games. And again, they could very well do so. But we've got, you know, that plus 160, you know, 140 if you, you know, had to get a bad number from Montreal. We've got that in our back pocket. We've got, you know, that to use to try to roll that over on another Montreal bet and still keep some uh, profit in our back pocket. Uh, we've got options at plus 140, plus 160, whatever the number you had. And listen, if you're sitting there watching that hockey game at any point, let alone overtime, and you're going, oh man, I'm really glad I spent minus 190 on one of these two teams versus the flip side of things. You know, I don't really know what to tell you. Saturday night, if that wasn't enough, Saturday night gets capped off. Um, I should really mention Jeff Petrie at this point, by the way, uh, for Montreal, obviously a tremendously clutch goal. And again, that's sort of what we're talking about when we talk about the brand name players and hockey being the type of sport that that just doesn't push you through right it's the it's the there's 20 guys right there's 18 skaters on the ice right this isn't basketball where i shouldn't say there's obviously eight not 18 guys at the ice at the same time but like rolling over there's 18 guys basketball you play you know five starters and maybe three reserves and those guys are just there to give the key starters you know a break from time to time so really hard for one guy or two guys to have a singular effect right Crosby scored for Pittsburgh he did what he needed to do Malkin certainly had a few chances but top to bottom five on five play that's how you get a Petrie scoring the game winning goal right that's not going to happen in basketball that's not going to happen in football right it's just that's hockey. It's a completely different sport. You need all 18 guys sort of going. So at any rate, shout out to Petrie. Literally, obviously, my favorite goal so far this season. Winnipeg and Calgary finish off the night, and immediately things get weird, right? You never like to see an injury to a guy. Shifley goes down, probably, seemingly, the way everybody's sort of talking about, probably out for the rest of the playoffs. Um. You know, again, tough tough to sort of talk about a guy's injury when it comes to sort of the brass tacks that is, you know, handicapping hockey, but that's going to result in Calgary being a considerable favorite the rest of the way here. Throw in Line missing, potentially missing the game. I, you know, I don't know what the situation with his hand injury is. Of course, we never know uh, in the NHL with injuries, and that's worth a mention because that's something that's going to change in the future, I think, as sports betting becomes more and more prevalent. But that's another another topic for another day. So Shifley out, awful. Line A, bummer for Winnipeg. But Calgary, you know, 
we believe was the better team going into that series. Nothing that happened on Saturday, of course, changes our idea of that. But what does change is the price for the remaining games in this series. And that's where it's going to get tricky. Um, I think Calgary, what you want to see is a guy like Kachuk causing a disturbance from a purely hockey standpoint, no sort of math analytics involved. You know, that type of dude is a difference maker in that series and going forward. So we'll be very interested to see sort of like what happens with regards to some of their bigger picture, you know, futures numbers, right? We talked about maybe adding to them in a Western Conference element. Uh, I've got them as the Canadian team that goes furthest. That certainly looks right now, again, after one game for each team, that certainly looks like a pretty decent bet right now. Move it over to Sunday, Arizona plus 120 gets there. And the interesting thing here, and I didn't really get around to it specifically, but there's two series out of the entire, uh, you know, five game series that are going on where special teams and the matchup in those special teams equates for me to a one goal or more advantage over the course of a five game series. I talked about how power plays and penalty kills, you know, very rarely are going to make that much of a difference um, predictably, you know, in a predictive way for a series. And there's two of them. One of them, believe it or not, is Edmonton, Chicago, where Edmonton actually has a full two goals over the course of five games. They should be two goals better in special team scenarios than Chicago. So, you know, obviously a couple of power play goals for Chicago, and that may end up not ringing true. And of course, that would then lead to Edmonton's demise. But the point is, is that these odds and these stats are getting, uh, I should say the odds are based on these stats that say that Edmonton is a two goals per five games better. And that's again, just special teams team than Chicago and then we can get into the five on five element that we talked about in the preview about how Edmonton's also better there so that should give you again from a statistical analytical standpoint an idea of the fact that Edmonton should be favored in each one of these games and relatively heavily so and so yeah it didn't work out in game one but the other one is Arizona because Nashville's power play excuse me the Nashville Predators penalty kill is so bad that Arizona is actually a one goal, uh, has a one goal advantage under special teams for the course of a five game series. Okay. And again, that's before we get into five on five, where they were very much sort of an equal um, element. And again, the goaltending here is very interesting. And what we need to talk about here is this is starting UC Saros over Pekka Rene. And that's something that I talked about in the preview with regards to Rene being in that like literally bottom of the entire league this year from a goaltending standpoint. And most people wouldn't realize that because how often are you really watching Predators games? Do you really know what's going on with the Preds and their goalie situation? Pekka Rene has been on that team as their starting goalie for so long that you just assume that he is still great and that he is the guy that they have to go to. But what it tells me about the Predators and that they went with Soros is that they have an analytics either department or their coach understands analytics and he knows, and again, it helps that he's a new coach to that team and can do his own thing without any sort of personal uh, you know, 
responsibility towards Rene or relationship with Rene. He can just make that decision based purely on the numbers. And that's the right decision to make. Now, it didn't work out for them in game one, but I was certainly terrified as somebody who had Arizona when I found out that Nashville was going with the better goalie because my handicapping was based on the assumption, again, you should never assume, but that's kind of what we have to we've signed up for here with hockey, is it was based on the assumption that Rene was going to play and that we were going to have a significant goaltending advantage. Saros being in there makes it much more equal, right? And so again, instead of Arizona being a favorite because they have a, you know, again, one goal over five game advantage in special teams and a advantage, or at least we thought they were going to have an advantage in net, and then all things else being equal, right? It's not coming, it's not a great edge. It's not, you know, much of one, especially when the price starts coming down to an Arizona plus like 110, 115, but we were able to get some plus 120s out there Again, potentially because of the news of Nashville going with Saros, right? The sharp money realizes that he is the better goaltender and that is going to affect the price and it kept it from getting it down to around a 50-50 level. So as long as we're getting plus 120s going forward, Arizona is certainly a viable bet you know, going forward, but we also have them to win the series. And we'll sort of talk about some of these teams and some of these games and how things change for us game to game, whether or not we have a series bet sort of backing everything up. Next up, Philadelphia, favorite bet of the day. Rask, not in. Again, talked about it. Just absolutely wild that Philadelphia could be a plus 120 if Rask isn't in net. Now, Halak isn't a huge drop-off relative to most goalies, but but Rask is not most goalies. Rask is the best goaltender in the league by basically every sort of metric you can kind of find, right? Add into the fact that, you know, again, because these aren't qualifying games, these are seeding games, how much could Boston possibly really care about this game? And, you know, why would they push Rask out there if they didn't have to? Now, I don't know what's going on necessarily with Rask. You know, speculation abounds. If a guy's not feeling well, if somebody's not feeling well this day and age, (laughs) you know, this year, in the year of 2020, if somebody's not feeling well, there's an obvious sort of initial instinct. I don't necessarily know if that's the case. Maybe he's tweaked something along the way. Who knows? Again, this is hockey and they don't tell you anything. But again, it's not hindsight because I tweeted it out. I have to add a second unit to this play because this just doesn't make any sense. As for the big drama of the afternoon, Colorado and St. Louis, a classic first period, you know, first playoff period where one team gets all the chances, is all over the other team, takes one penalty, and the other team scores, and it's one nothing. And then it's just, is that team going to hang on? And when that team's the St. Louis Blues and Jordan Bennington is doing Jordan Bennington playoff things, it certainly feels like they're going to hang on. Well, Colorado was able to get that tying goal, and of course the buzzer beater heard round the bubble, I guess, um, the dual bubbles, uh, the hockey world. Uh, Nazem Kadri scores with literally... To say he scored with 0.1, I think, is actually kind of degrading the buzzer beater a little bit. I think it was actually 0.05, right? Because at 0.1, the puck was sort of crossing the line, 
you know, again, logic would tell you that you have to measure from sort of where the front of that sort of blurred line of the puck is because that's where it got to at point one. It would also tell you, and this is probably why they decided to call it, you know, make it official and call it a goal. It would tell you that if it's point one while it's crossing the line and it's zero and it's already at the back of the net, that at point zero five, it was probably in the net, right? So again, and I tweeted this out, listen, we're going to have some bad beats here. We have some bad beats all the time. We have some close losses. We have some absurd stuff happening. We take whatever we can get, right? And this wasn't, you know, again, we talk about bad beats and how if both teams are trying to win and they're scoring, whether it's home runs or goals or touchdowns, and they're trying to score because they're trying to win the game, that, you know, you're going to have to go a long way before you call me that, call that a bad beat. But... That being said, buzzer beater, we're literally talking about things that could go either way. In this case, a game that was lined that appropriately, that the game would go either way. And we just happened to pick the right side. Now, do I feel like we picked the right side because of the run of play? I do, right? I think Colorado was full value for the win. You know, if you had said... You know, if you hadn't shown the goal from St. Louis and you would just shown literally all other five, you know, the other 19 minutes and 55 seconds from the first period, you wouldn't think that St. Louis had the lead there, right? So, you know, I will take credit from a handicapping standpoint in that I felt like Colorado was the better team and their goaltending held up, which, you know, it's in some cases might be considered, you know, a, a concern down the way. I'm not even sure that they're that they started the best goalie on their team necessarily Grubauer about a six and a half uh, altogether in GSAA whereas uh, Frank Fransuz is 13 right so we're talking about top six in the entire league for Fransuz and you know at 34 games played that's certainly enough that you would think he might have earned the spot in net so again another situation in net where it really, really matters, and in some cases it doesn't seem like it should, but it does way more than you'd think. And, you know, I talked about Pittsburgh and Montreal, and Matt Murray played a very good game. That being said, he's not statistically the best goaltender on that team. From an analytic standpoint, as of today, he's just not. But Pittsburgh feels the need that they have to go with Matt Murray, and I completely respect that decision, and it's been the case where you've had you know, Edmonton going with the veteran goaltender, that didn't work out. And that was, you know, just a gross decision when it comes to an analytics-based, you know, it, you know, if we analyze it from analytics, that's a terrible decision, right? Um, same sort of deal, but in the opposite, of course, we talked about with Nashville. And we'll get to Vegas on Monday, who have an interesting decision that they've made as well. So, you know, it worked out for Colorado. I was a little worried about that too. And so, you know, you're going through the day going, okay, these different teams are making these goaltending decisions. And it happened with Toronto and Columbus as well. So Columbus goes and they start uh, Corpusalo, and he's not necessarily the goaltender I would have selected either. And I tweeted about this too. It's sort of con in conjunction with the Nashville decision. You know, Columbus picked analytically speaking, the wrong guy, statistic-wise. It worked out for them. 
Okay, they shut out <laughs> they shut out the Leafs. So again, small sample size. You know, maybe Elvis would have done that exact same thing. I don't know, right? We'll never know. And if the Blue Jackets have their way, Elvis will never get a chance to be between the pipes, and Tortorella will look like a genius. But the key to that game wasn't the goaltending necessarily. Obviously, an incredible save on Austin Matthews, but that was sort of traded off by an incredible save by Anderson moments later. And so you go, okay, you know, from a incredible save standpoint they kind of evened out right the difference being Anderson gave up the softer goal the key though to the game is the Blue Jackets obviously defensive minded we talked about this we talked about how that how that's just a terrible matchup for Toronto they want to play six five games they want to play games they'd love to be in a game that had seven power plays for each team but Columbus is not going to do that the power play totals were two for Columbus and one for Toronto. If you're going to be a team that costs me $1.50, minus $1.50 to back you because, right, your, your price is that because you accumulated your record by scoring goals and having a good power play, you need to create penalties and create power plays. And if you can't do that, you are useless to us relative to the price you may win a few games but it is going to cost you long term if you are spending a dollar fifty minus 150 for a dollar on that team and they can't get that done and it is not a surprise that columbus would lock them up like that right who could possibly be surprised by that so you know going forward again we have series price on them and i don't really see any reason why we wouldn't keep going with Columbus on a game-to-game -game basis. As for Vancouver and Minnesota here, uh, Markstrom in net for Vancouver, standing on his head by and large, you know, feel like he's making the sort of more impressive saves. But the problem is that's because Minnesota is a better team five-on-five five than Vancouver is. And that's exactly what we talked about in the uh, preview early last week. And, you know, again, bearing out on the ice right what we're doing with these analytics is that we're trying to meld the stats and the eye test right it's not that we're sort of trying to trick anybody or sort of go against the grain here with what people think but the reality is we're all kind of thinking the same way when all we do is kind of just watch the game and listen to the same stuff and hear the same cliches and hear about the same players, right? Like we're all getting the same opinions. But when we bring in the math, that might tell us that what we um, think, you know, A, might not be correct, but we also might just be missing something, right? And so, you know, as far as the NHL recap, you know, that's it for that. But hopefully the importance of, the, you know, these prices become clear you know, again, after this weekend, sports betting isn't about making predictions. It's about in finding the inconsistencies in the market using both numbers and at times situations and concepts to find that percentage or two or three or four, you know, as fine as big as we can of an edge, right? Again, not about making predictions, but about, you know, tr again, taking advantage of the market right it's a buy or sell market the same way any other market is people were buying chicago people were buying toronto people were buying pittsburgh and if you buy too much of that there is going to become value on the other side 
and it doesn't necessarily have to be underdog value as we saw with both the Islanders and the Flames, right? People were buying just enough of Winnipeg and just enough of Florida that it was creating value from both of those teams. Will we have that same value going forward? Well, we're going to have to look at the cards when we have to look at those odds when they come up. And this might not always work out, but if you're doing it right and analyzing things deeper than the brand recognition of the teams, the cliches, and you're bringing something, you know, other stuff that to the table, then that's where you can sort of find a discrepancy between what your numbers are or what your opinion is and what the odds are. And that's why you would bet. Because otherwise, if we're just talking about who's the better team and who has the better player, we're all gonna end up on the favorites every single game, right? Like that's the point. That's what the sports books are doing. They're making these numbers based on all of that stuff. And a lot of that stuff, all of that other stuff, it just doesn't matter in the immediate, right? Matt Murray has won two Stanley Cups. He will go to his grave knowing that he won two Stanley Cups that will probably be on his gravestone. But him winning a Stanley Cup three years ago means zero today, okay? You don't get goals credited to your team's score because you won the Stanley Cup before. And that's hard for a lot of people to understand, especially like hardcore hockey people, hardcore sports people, right? Whether it's talking about Super Bowls, World Series, you know, different awards, all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, all of that stuff from a narrative standpoint isn't a secret. It's all priced in. That's what's priced into Pittsburgh's price, right? It's what creates the favoritism that these money lines are based on. And you're paying that tax at minus 180, for example, for the reputation. And what builds reputation? What builds the branding of these players, right? In hockey, Canadian teams, right? Hockey night in Canada, being on, being visible to all of us on a regular basis, right? Most people, most hockey fans, you know, if you're a Leafs fan, you know all the players. And if the guy's around for longer than two to three years, that guy has an intrinsic value to you, right? Like I think of a guy like Nazem Kadri, right? Who was with that team for a really long time. And if you ask anybody on the streets about the Leafs, he would be in the top three or four guys that you would mention. And then they get rid of him and he goes to Colorado and everybody kind of forgets because nobody watches Colorado anymore. And he just becomes, and I, and I saw this on at like a daily basis working in the media, he just becomes this afterthought. And this guy who didn't make it, you know, like he was thrown out of the league somehow. And it's like, no, he just really went to a different team. He just went to the Avalanche. And that team, I know they're called the Avalanche, but they might be better than the Leafs. And he might be the, a better player than he was with the Leafs. And just because he's not with the Leafs anymore doesn't mean he's not any good right? But when you're on the Canadian team and you're seeing these guys every week, and again, you might be a Leafs fan, but you might stay up every Saturday to watch the combination of Canucks, Flames, and Oilers, that rotating combination that seems to play each other every week. You get to know those guys, right? And so those guys become more famous. So a Johnny Gaudreau becomes more famous, you know, in Canada than even potentially a guy, you know, a guy like Philip Forsberg, for instance. Now, For Forsberg went to a Stanley Cup, and that's another category, right? Getting to a Stanley Cup, because that gets you viewed as well. Does that make you necessarily a better player than a guy who is on a team that hasn't gotten to the Stanley Cup? What about being Canadian, 
right? How many different guys made an Olympic team somewhere down the line in the last 20 years who when you look back, you go, I can't believe that guy made an Olympic team. Like he, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not even close. Like he's, you know, whatever. He just had a couple of good years around being an Olympian right? High draft picks, top one, two, three type of draft pick, right? I think of a guy like Matt Duchesne, who has gotten so far on just sort of being in the, you know, hockey fan eye for such a long time. But really, does he make that much of a difference when he's actually on the ice, right? And so, you know, he did for a little bit here and there, but a lot of guys do for a little bit. And he did his, you know, arguably his best work when he was with the Senators. You know, I guess maybe with the Avalanche too, but again, nobody really saw that. And so all these guys, you know, get these different sort of brands. And on the flip side, there's obviously teams that have a bunch of really good hockey players that people don't really know, right? And Columbus is one of those teams. And... Uh, you know, Nashville was one of those teams and then they sort of moved on and then, you know, now it's the Islanders and Carolina. And Carolina, you know a little bit more guys now because they made it to the conference finals last year, but going into that entire playoff run, you didn't really know much about them either, right? And it's just funny that, like, these, all these guys get branded as meaningful when on the ice in that moment, all that stuff is meaningless, especially if empirical statistical evidence shows otherwise about certain players right now. And again, it's easy to sort of show that with goaltenders, right? And we can go and we can look at the bottom, you know, five guys and be all like, man, those are all guys who have made, you know, all-star teams or, you know, been sort of in the hunt for a Vesna award somewhere down the line over the course of, you know, X amount of years or whatever. So... You know, and every year we do the exact same thing, right? And the thing that drove me crazy last year was, you know, I'd watch the the show that I worked on, people talking about, well, nobody saw this coming with regards to these different, you know, teams. And I was just sitting there going like, I did. I mean, not necessarily like prediction wise, but like I put money behind the Blue Jackets. I put money behind Colorado. I put money behind Carolina because there was value on all of those teams because of how disrespected they were in the market because they didn't have the same branding that some of these other teams do, right? And it's pretty clear in Toronto and Columbus that these teams are about equal. And Columbus plays a type of style that is going to sort of bring, you know, a less attractive brand of hockey, which of course people then sort of equate with not being very good because people don't realize that being good means also being defensive oriented. And, you know, again, that's why the Leafs are going to be favored. That's why Pittsburgh's going to be favored. That's why, you know, Boston is going to be favored, even if their backup goaltender is, is going. So anyway, long rant about sort of the concept of branding and why, you know, teams are favored over, you know, other teams and, and whether that's right or not. But um, all in all, just really an incredible weekend as far as things just, you know, seemingly to fall into place, which is always nice. I should say always nice when we have a restart as if we, you know, has ever had a restart before. But it is pretty clutch when it comes to that sort of thing because everybody's bankroll gets all juiced up and we get to sort of keep it rolling here. And hopefully we do keep it rolling. But like I said, this is sports betting and there are ebbs and flows. It isn't a simple matter of, you know, going 
three and two every single day for the rest of our lives here. There are hot streaks and there are cold streaks, and that's just sort of what we're signing up for. But hopefully, if we have some sort of basis for what we're working on here, and we're not just kind of throwing darts and making irresponsible bets just for the sake of making them, then, you know, that should be able to, um, you know, carry on going forward. And for those who for some reason really enjoyed the wheel and my concept of that uh you're having a decent time you're not making a ton of money again leading into uh minnesota vancouver again it's two nothing right now in the third period as of this taping and so what we're looking at is probably a one unit loss on the day you know combined with our one point i think it was 1.75 uh, unit win from Saturday means you know you're up three quarters of a unit through two days and you know at least you're having fun presumably but hopefully instead of just sort of blindly betting the wheel uh, for fun you've been riding some of this sort of wave uh, really an incredible wave if you fat if you taken everything to heart that I've said and of course you know it would be ridiculous for me to say you know that you would have or that you should have but um, you know, we're basing this off of something, right? Which of course is better than nothing, and it's way better. Like I'd rather you base it on nothing than base it off of just sort of narrative, history, like brand, like all of that kind of mumbo jumbo that you get a ton of in these, you know, sports betting content realm. Okay, so uh, with that being said, let's take a quick shift over to the NBA from this past weekend. Not nearly as good, but things did get heated, you know, heated up a bit on Sunday. Uh, let's just start with Friday. Um, started off by taking Brooklyn. That was a mistake. Uh, never really close, though, maybe in the first quarter. <laughs> they might have, it might have looked like they might cover. Um, that being said, Orlando might be pretty decent. And again, in this sort of restart element, there is a scenario where not necessarily the top of the league, the top of the league, we have to figure out sort of motivation, I think, on a on a game-to-game -game basis. But in that middle, we have to decide who is decent and who doesn't really care, right? And in the case of Orlando, I think that's you know, could be the surprise team. And it's kind of dumb to say that it's a surprise team. They were a playoff team last year. They are in a playoff spot now. So, you know, but I think we're maybe just not giving them enough credit than maybe we should be. Um, Portland, huge win. Uh, like just massive, massive win. Uh, we talked, of course, about adding them as an 80 to one to win the West, hoping that they would play the type of basketball that I think they're capable of at full strength. Um, I'm not so sure that happened in their win to, you know, in overtime against uh, Memphis, but they got it done. We cashed that. Um, faded Washington. That's sort of the plan. I think pretty much solidly going forward, took Phoenix to cover, I think it was what a six or seven point spread and that worked out. And Again, we'll talk about Phoenix here in a, again in a little bit. Um, Milwaukee edged Boston just covering late. That was probably not lucky necessarily, but that was considerably dicey for a while. Um, and then we had the bad beat that was Dallas and Houston. I think there was some stat that I that I saw and I sort of you know tweeted a response to uh, that teams who were up seven with the amount of time that was left when Dallas was up seven were like, you know, 
702 basically so just a criminal like epic failure from dallas at the end there of course the free throw miss the intentional free throw miss uh and they get the off and houston gets the offensive rebound and then that forces you know overtime and you know what's going to happen at that point so just a brutal one there where we thought we kind of thought we might go four and one on Friday. And that of course turns into three and two as for Saturday started off with really just one of the worst bets I think I've ever made in my entire life. Denver plus two and a half ends up moving to four when Jamal Murray gets ruled out. And of course they were already without Gary Harris and basically their entire backcourt and just were never in the mix at that point. Um, Denver might be on the fade list here going forward as a team that's sort of content to be sort of in that middle of the pack of the West, knowing that they're probably not going to move up and that moving down isn't necessarily going to hurt them all that much. Uh, but that was saved shortly thereafter by a great bet with Oklahoma City. Uh, I think that's a team that we need to watch out for from a bet-on standpoint. They look great. I think they got a ton of dudes that are ready to play in this restart. New Orleans fails again. Obviously, blowing the game to Utah was one thing, but at least they had the lead for most of that game. Thought they would come out a little bit better. They get absolutely embarrassed. That, you know, and again, most a lot of people were talking about this on social media on Saturday, but the NBA really did go out of their way to get New Orleans into this um, tournament, so to speak, and they aren't doing anything to uh, take advantage of that. But that helps us for Portland as well. So, again, we'll sort of take the uh, glass half full approach on that one. Um, we talked about Philly, the Sixers, betting on Philly because of the adjustments that they were making, right? That it was a potential buy low opportunity on a team that saw what they were doing wrong and, or saw what they could improve on and made a change to, you know, fix that. Well, I don't think that worked. And now they're the team that made an adjustment and it didn't work. And they either have to stay with that adjustment and like maybe make some minor tweaks or whatever, or they have to adjust back. And I think in either case, they could be in some considerable trouble, right? And a team that's just not necessarily deep enough that you can consider them on the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. Moving to Sunday, oh, I should mention, actually, I forgot about the quote-unquote best part, the Toronto Raptors, money line, plus 125 against the Lakers. And here's the thing with that. The sportsbooks will tell you that there's no such thing as a sucker line. That being said, putting the Lakers at minus 2.5 for that game is about as sucker line as you can possibly do, right? Especially after watching them against the Clippers, the line there was four and a half, five even, to say that people wouldn't jump all over the Lakers at minus two and a half, and that they were trying to get sort of an even action scenario there would be disingenuous on their part, right? They were clearly looking to take Laker action and needed to set a line low enough that they could do so. And I think they suckered a lot of people into taking that Lakers spread as low as it was, not realizing, um, you know, the betters not realizing that uh, the Raptors are, of course, still a very good team and would take advantage of a team that wasn't necessarily humming on, you know, all cylinders. And I think that sort of sloppy game that they played with the Clippers 
it was indicative of a team that still has to figure out a lot of stuff with regards to their new guys. And it's weird to say that because it's a, you know, we're still in the same season, but the Lakers do have a lot of new players that they're putting together. And it's a lot of guys who have worked with LeBron before, but, you know, again, not necessarily under this circumstance. And, you know, every team is different. So um, the Lakers could be a fade, obviously 0-2 so far, uh, against the spread. So, you know, we'll see where the lines go with that sort of thing going forward. Um, and then, you know, from a Raptors standpoint, exactly what you expect out of the Raptors at this point, right? A professional performance with solid defense and, you know, giving themselves a chance to win if the other team, you know, isn't sort of offensively, you know, cogent, isn't a team that's sort of gelling just yet. Uh, as for Sunday, Went back to the well with fading uh, the Wizards, and that involved betting on Brooklyn, which, again, that's how bad I think the Wizards are with this roster. Um, Wizards give them credit. They worked <laughs> worked as hard as they could, made it interesting, uh, but Brooklyn pulled away at the end. I got to tell you, I watched next to none of this game, and I don't, uh, I don't feel guilty about that. Um, Portland covers by the hook. That was my other thing, right? If you saw the tweet, I said, we're doing a thing. It's fade Washington and bet on Portland and then sort of see where we end up going wrong. Um, in this case, it looked for all the world like we were going to go wrong with Portland as they were down 24 points in the second half, I believe it was, maybe late in the second quarter. And they come all the way back. They even take the lead in a lot of ways, they were sort of unlucky to maybe get the win. That being said, a bit lucky in end of game shenanigans, uh, you know, a questionable backcourt call, a missed free throw, of course, and we get there by the hook with Portland. So I took that and I said, you know what, let's take those, you know, net two units and let's spread those across Houston plus five and Phoenix plus six. And sure enough, both of those teams end up winning outright so from a western conference standpoint you know again phoenix beat dallas that again i was happy to take phoenix because i think that they might be the sort of surprise-ish team in the west now is that going to result in them sort of running the table here and getting into that eight nine game you know probably not but until they get eliminated i think we're going to get full value for their effort and they have a guy in booker who can fill it up which is a lot more than i can say for a lot of other teams in that sort of outside looking in realm um, as for houston exactly what you expect from them just bombing away from threes they hit just enough that and especially late that they were able to just get past milwaukee who you know under a minute to go did sort of seem like they might cover that number and uh but yeah houston houston makes the shots and that's this you know that's every game with houston right if they make the shots they'll cover they'll win if they don't they don't and so you know that's what you sign up for when you're betting on houston <laughs> and, and it could be a half to half uh situation uh so yeah long story short we end up sweeping sunday 4-0 in the nba so after sort of a split start with a three and two friday a two and three Saturday that at least had a plus 125 money line in there that sort of mitigated the the damage. Uh, 4-0 Sunday works out great for our purposes. As for the rest of the story, I just wanted to clean up a couple of different things here in all of the other sports. PGA, Brendan Todd, same is issues as earlier this season trying to close out a tournament. You could see that one coming from a mile away. I think I tweeted out even on, it might have been even Friday, but certainly Saturday, like his 
how far down the leaderboard do you have to go before you find a guy who you believe can win, right? Ben Ann, not a guy I believe is going to win on that stage. They talked about a story of him feeling less pressure because there weren't, there wasn't big crowds in these big events and it just felt like a practice round. And it's like, that's fine for the first three rounds, but then eventually just sort of tournament pressure and the idea that you could win a tournament on Sunday, that Sunday pressure is still going to come up even if there's nobody in the stands. Ricky, I mean, we've been down this road with Ricky, right? So then it kind of got to a point in the leaderboard with Brooks and JT. And of course, sure enough, you know, and it's cliche to say it and it's sort of lazy, but at the same time, you just go, that's why Brooks Kepka is Brooks Kepka. That guy's, that's why JT is JT. And that's why those other guys are those other guys. Because on Sunday, if those other two are in the hunt, they can make the push and shoot a 66, a 67 to be there at the end. Now, it didn't work out for Brooks, of course, but you know, JT did just enough. And that's why those guys are major champions. That's why those guys have won a ton of events. And that's why those other guys haven't. Uh, big fan of... Uh, Ryan Palmer, he has a big round to get into the top 20. And on the flip side, my boy Christian Bazudenhout absolutely chokes away a top 20. He was two shots clear and then double bogeys the last hole to land exactly on T20 where he has to end up splitting with five other guys. And he was a plus 400, as was Palmer. So we cashed the plus 400 with Palmer in the top 20. We cashed JT plus 850. I hope you caught that on Twitter. And Bazudenout basically just pushes because he can't get a measly bogey on the 18th hole, especially after making a couple of birdies down the stretch too. And so really just a bummer. Also bet on the Barracuda, speaking of PGA. Two and two in top 20s at the Barracuda. Profitable tournament there, even if Emiliano Grillo couldn't get anything going Sunday in the last pairing for that win. Um, but he finishes top 20, uh, as does, and I called him sort of my favorite play of the weekend, Seamus Power, the Irishman. He goes uh, in for plus 400, I believe, for a top 20. Um, not a ton in the way of baseball this weekend for obvious reasons. What a disaster this is turning out to be. I shouldn't say even a disaster. It's just a mess. And I get it, it's understandable, but we're changing rules even more so. Seven inning, double headers, games are getting postponed. Like it's really, you know, it should be easier because there's less games, but it's harder to handicap all this stuff. I mean, it doesn't help that we have all these other games to deal with. So I only made really one bet in baseball and it was Minnesota and they shut out Cleveland on Saturday, I believe it was. And I didn't watch one second of that game. <laughs> so um, fortunately, that game was, you know, an easy win. My best bet of the entire weekend, and it didn't win, came from Formula One. Best bet of the entire weekend. Carlos Sainz, okay? I found group betting in Formula One. Same sort of setup as golf, only they put, you know, obviously different guys into different groups. Carlos Sainz was plus 400. He was the third choice in a group where he had two guys ahead of him he was literally ahead of those guys by the end of the first lap i talked about max verstappen jumping into third place on the first lap uh two weeks ago to, and then carrying on to the podium signs was literally ahead of all three of those guys for 57 of the 58 laps wild last lap and this happened to more than just carlos signs guys tires were just flying off their wheels and it happened to signs with about a half of a lap to go and he ended up finishing i think pretty much dead last but it happened to valtteri botas it happened to lewis hamilton he ended up finishing the race on three tires 
barely hanging on. It was a wild race, Formula One. Please watch Drive to Survive on Netflix and then come talk to me about how ridiculous it is that I all of a sudden like Formula One racing. As for the card, we're going to take a quick break here. We got to get into Monday's card. That's going to happen right after this. Okay, quick shout out to my guy, Neil, over at Hundo P Productions. If you're on Twitter, Facebook, I think it was even on LinkedIn, you probably saw the sweet tease videos that he created for my interview with Chad Millman. Great job by him over at 100P Productions. He can help grow your brand with cool videos like that that help promote your product or your service. Uh, contact him over at Hundo P Productions to help boost your brand and get the next level of video marketing. www.hundopproductions.com or at Hundo P Prod on Instagram. Don't just post, inspire. All right, let's dig into Monday's cards, starting with the NHL, and we're getting things the puck dropped at noon all right roll out of bed for some of you out there hopefully not hopefully you had time to listen to this podcast uh i've you know i time coded where we get into the actual games for monday so that you're able to sort of skip ahead but please listen to earlier in the podcast if you are just sort of skipping ahead carolina and new york really interesting game to start off here and i think we, you know, we sort of have to look at some of these series from the idea that like not all of them are going to be sweeps and not all of them are going to be series where we just keep taking the same team over and over again, right? And if you've been following along, we've got six series bets here and Carolina and the Rangers isn't one of them. And it's certainly not going to be one now that Carolina ha, you know, has won that first game and now they're like minus 200. You know, I suppose you could make the case and I wouldn't even be that offended if you took the Rangers uh, on that series line because I think this is the, you know, I shouldn't say the one game, but certainly one of the games where the team that lost in the first game comes out way harder in the second game and maybe that the team that won the first game is a little bit flatter. And so I think I have to make that adjustment with my probabilities. Now, the thing is, because Carolina is no longer minus 120, like they were, like they got down to in that first game, we're now looking at a Carolina price of minus 142. So that's well beyond the price that I would have paid for them in the first game and is certainly not one that I'm looking to pay for in a second game where you know we've already got teams who are backs against their wall backs against the wall so to speak um, the other part is you know initially we're thinking fade the Rangers if they start Henrik Lundqvist because their other goaltenders have been statistically better again yet another circumstance where the incumbent sort of hero longtime goaltender probably needs to step aside that being said Henrik played pretty well in that first game now is he capable of kind of going back to back with that you know we'll have to see here but at least it's a circumstance where we only have to risk a unit and not a unit and a half you know for what I think will be about a 50 50 type of game right so plus 129 here on pinnacle uh 
you know, so around like 130 uh, is, you know, sort of where you'd want to be able to get the Rangers, whether that means sort of waiting until the last second, because maybe a lot of money comes in on the Rangers. I mean, I've got the, or, um, the Hurricanes, I should say, but I've got the Rangers plus 130 up at 365, and I certainly that, think that that's a bet worth making at that price. Uh, as for the next one in the lineup here, we got Winnipeg and the Calgary Flames here. Okay, so the excitement about betting the Calgary Flames was that whether it was series price or game price, everything was around minus 115, minus 120, which was an incredible value considering that my numbers had them at, you know, higher than a 60% chance of winning the series or any given game, of course, in that series. And so now they're at minus 150, which is, again, translating into from, you know, odds to probabilities here is actually a 60% chance. And so in theory, the value should be sort of taken out of Calgary from a game to game basis because that numbers changed so drastically, right? It went from betting Calgary at minus 120, which was a no brainer to them being minus 150, which again, you'd think would certainly be the exact opposite of a no brainer or certainly considerably more of a brainer. So, but here's the thing, if line is out, and Shifley's out, we have to sort of rejig the probabilities here, right? And so it's, you know, minus 120, of course, would be absurd. There's no way we would get minus 120 with those two guys out. That's why it's minus 150. But is that still enough of an adjustment given that those two guys are out and given what we saw from Calgary in that first game and that they are getting you know they do have kachuk getting under guys skin right same thing with bennett right they're able to generate some offense five on five that we hope that they would against a winnipeg team that you know gave up a lot of chances five on five so i actually still think there's value in calgary here but at minus 150 that's sort of the upper upper limit of that whereas you know, if it got any higher than that, like, again, my sort of thing is, okay, two th any, any two hockey teams that are even involved in this have at least a one in three chance of winning a game, right? Even if that team is injured. Now, when you factor in injuries, things get a lot shakier as far as trying to handicap and figuring out just how much, right? But I don't think the adjustment has been made high enough on Calgary here. And I think minus 150 or anything lower than that is actually a pretty decent price. And so there's a minus 148 at Pinnacle. So, you know, you, you catch my drift as far as sort of where I'm going with this. I still think Calgary is the play or nothing. This certainly isn't worth trying Winnipeg. We're not going to do that because at plus 133, plus 130, yeah, that's just not worth it. Now, if you sort of went sort of double unit on the series price the way that I did, right? We're already pretty committed to Calgary as a concept in general. And I wouldn't blame you for just sitting this one out. You're certainly going to have enough to cheer for with cheering for Calgary from a series price. So, you know, why sort of lay that extra um, responsibility, you know, per se on Calgary at minus 150, just because you feel like you need to have, you know, some more action on the game you've got plenty of action on the game if you have sort of that big calgary series bet 
uh, the way that I talked about it in the preview. So sort of coming at it from two angles. If you have that bet, maybe I lay off. If you don't, minus 150 is still pretty decent value, assuming we find out you know, that Line A and Shifley don't play. Problem is, as soon as we find out that those guys aren't going to play, that number probably goes up even higher. So you kind of have to play a bit of a cat and mouse game in order to grab that number first and then hope you're sort of your own diagno diagnosis of those injuries is accurate. Uh, then we get into that middle afternoon where it's round robin action. Washington and Tampa Bay talked about this last week. Tampa Bay minus 135 is the price right now. Again, I still think that's pretty good for Tampa Bay, a team that I think is taking no prisoners here. They are, you know, I think it comes down to Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. That game for the, um, you know, top seed position there. You know, I said that before, you know, broken record, whatever. I'm saying it again. Tampa Bay is the best team and they're coming in hot here, I think. And uh, at minus 135, that's still like a pretty low, you know, probability trans, you know, translation here. We're still talking obviously sub 60%. I think it's a better than 60% chance that Tampa Bay uh, comes out, wins that game against Washington. Um, my numbers have that like literally closer to like 63, 64%. So I think minus 135 is actually still pretty good value there. So then we go to Dallas and Vegas. And here's what I wanted to talk about with regards to Vegas. Yet another team who needed to make a goalie decision and have a sort of, again, cult hero, um, you know, <laughs> for whatever you want to say about the sort of short-term culture that is the Vegas Golden Knights, Marc-Andre Fleury is every bit of that culture. And they have decided to go with Robin Leonard. And that, of course, is the right move analytically. So again, another decision where you can figure out who the teams are that actually value the analytics and value the stats versus the teams that don't, right? And so moving forward with a team like Nashville, we know that they know what they're doing with regards to analytics. Same thing with Vegas, makes me like them even more. Uh, missing Pacioretty, some you know devaluing there. I was all set to unload on Dallas when I assumed that they would start Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, that Vegas would. Um, but they're not. They're starting Leonard. I think that the line is so bang on right now that I couldn't... I'm not going to advise Vegas necessarily because, again, you know, missing Pacioretty, not ideal. Um, but Dallas certainly isn't enough of an underdog price here at plus 110 to, you know get me excited, right? Like we're talking, you know, I've been talking largely about, you know, plus 120s, plus 125s for games that were coin flips, not plus 110. There just isn't that much of an edge um, for Dallas there. So, um, you know, unless something changes between now and 6.30 Eastern, again, follow me on Twitter for anything that I might sort of add or, you know, if a line moves, right? Like what if it does, what if Dallas goes up to plus 120? What if Vegas goes down because for some reason people don't like, the move to Leonard, like I don't, you know, who, who, who knows, right? So, um, you know, that's a just in case type of thing. Um, Montreal and Pittsburgh, this is sort of the underdog version of the Calgary series, right? It's, we gotta keep throwing money at Calgary and maybe just constant, you know, keep piling up units here as again, they're plus 150. Uh, that number is plus 150 again similar sort of deal that we're going to get to in a bit here with Edmonton actually literally the very next game whereas you've got a team who 
you know, obviously Pittsburgh lost the first game. Nobody thinks they're going to lose two in a row. Well, the bad news for the people who think that is they don't need to lose two in a row. They only need to lose one in a row, right? They only need to lose tomorrow night. And again, we're getting plus 150 here on, a, you know, again, I don't have to go over, over and over why I think Montreal is about equal to Pittsburgh 5-on-5 five five and yada, yada, yada. Um I, you know, again, I've got, I've got, a, you know, a couple on Montreal for this, for the series. And it's very much like Calgary in that if you already have that committal um, to, or, you know, if you're that committal to the uh, Montreal cause and you just want to keep wrap, you know, ratcheting it up like you would <laughs> by betting Calgary game to game, go for it. If you want to sit back and hope that a two nothing series lead all but guarantees that Montreal wins the series and, and that's enough for you. That's cool too. That being said, in a vacuum, plus 150 again for these same two teams is a bet I think you still have to make. And, you know, again, if we lose it, again, that's minus one unit with the plus one and a half units that we already made. And, you know, we're still in decent shape with regards to the series price. So let's move over to Chicago and Edmonton here. And by far the most interesting one, again, so you would think you know, logically speaking, and I sort of brought this up on Twitter the other day too, is that money will come on Chicago, right? It will pour in on Chicago because Chicago, you know, beat up on Edmonton and Edmonton can't get it done and they're just not ready and they're just not mature enough and, you know, one-dimensional and like all just the sort of cliche type stuff. And listen, Chicago might win again. This is sports. This is hockey, right? We saw a goal in the Arizona Nashville series that we will never see again in our life. And that might be the difference between, in that entire series, that might be the difference in, I mean, it could have been the difference in the game, it might be the difference in the series, but again, if you're paying plus 120 for flukes like that, right? Like that fluke goal is like a coin flip. And we talked, we've talked before about how, if, you know, we're betting coin flips and we can get plus 120, we'll take it. And so a lot of these series, the line is so thin, and that's really what you should take away, is that there are no guarantees. And if you will come into a playoffs and you go, well, I think this team's guaranteed to beat this team, you're just, you're not doing it right. And you haven't been paying attention to the entire history of the sport. And so, you know, you'd expect here a lot of people to be betting on Chicago at plus 120, plus 130, because... Edmonton has opened up again. They opened up minus 130 and have been bet up to minus 140. So how is that happening, right? Who is betting the Oilers up? It isn't the general public that just watched that first game and said to themselves, oh, Chicago, dominant, seven goals, whatever. Like they're not the ones who are betting Edmonton up. Somebody else is betting Edmonton up. And those somebody else's are the people who are looking at the stats and are looking at the analytics and know that Edmonton is considerably better than Chicago. And maybe it was just one bad period, or even if you wanted to extend that out to a game, that's up to you, depending on how you perceive it. But I'm just telling you what's happening out here. And, the no and what's happening out here is that enough money, not people betting, but enough money is coming in on Edmonton that it's moved their number higher and that's surprising to me just based on the reaction that it seemed like people were having now when we're talking about people reacting right we're not talking about 
sharp betters here. We're talking about the public, hockey fan, guy who sort of reacts immediately. And I made the joke that maybe we're rusty as far as following sports because why else would we completely overreact to one period or one game, right? But it might be because we just haven't done this in a while. And so if you have sort of the common fan thinking Edmonton's toast, Chicago's got this, blah, blah, blah. But you have the sports better putting up their money on Edmonton. Who would you rather be with in this circumstance, right? And I realize that it's after watching that, it's a tough bet to make, especially paying that tax at minus 140 for Edmonton. Like it's not, right? And in a lot of cases, it sort of sounds like the opposite of what I would normally say. But I don't think these games... You know, just because I, just because Chicago won doesn't mean these games are really evenly matched teams, right? It doesn't mean they're coin flip games because one team won and the other team lost, right? You could make the case right back to me that Montreal and Pittsburgh isn't a coin flip game because Montreal won, and I would agree with you. Montreal and Pittsburgh isn't a coin flip game, but it's certainly not a plus 150, you know, two-thirds type of a game. It's not that high. And so... I think, and that, so that's what's happening with this Chicago Edmonton market. So it's a matter of following the money here, sort of holding your nose and expecting Edmonton to bounce back. Now, where it gets really interesting, of course, is the updated series price with Edmonton, right? Because if we are sort of watching this money come in on Edmonton to win the next game, we're also assuming that, of course, that that means the series is going to be tied. At which point you'd love the fact that you'd have Edmonton plus 140 in the series, right? So, you know, maybe, you know, you bet both, maybe you bet one, maybe you bet the other. But I think if you bet the game, I think you have to put some on the series too, right? Maybe it's a matter of just splitting a half a unit on either side. But a plus 140 circumstance with an Edmonton team that has just tied the series looks really, really attractive and sort of working backwards if we think we're going to sort of follow this sharp money and take Edmonton at sort of, you know, if we can get it below minus 140, that would be great too. Um, and I think we might get there because I think there'll be a lot of money sort of coming in throughout the day on Monday. Late game, of course, uh, Monday night. Super late, so plenty of time for people to put their bets in and have that sort of Chicago money to pile up, right? And I think the betting from a betting pattern standpoint is, you know, people sort of thinking the same way I am with Edmonton bouncing back and whatnot and having, you know, having the sports book put up a number that was probably going to be too low for Edmonton because they fear a ton of Chicago money coming in, right? Like there was no way they were going to put it minus 150 for Edmonton and have, you know, Chicago at plus 130 or something along along those lines. So they were going to be sort of low on Chicago and, you know, and sort of let things happen as, as they may. And so that's what happened. The early money jumped on Edmonton. So while most sort of casual bettors were watching games today, right, the sharp bettors were getting down on that early price with Edmonton. And so Monday, hopefully, sort of all of the casual bettors start coming in and even that money out and we can get a good price, um, maybe back to the minus 130 on Edmonton, maybe even lower. Who knows? Who knows what happens on Monday? 
And I fully expect Koskinen to play. And again, a reminder how much better he is from, again, an analytic standpoint, GSAA, how much better he is than Mike Smith. And again, how bad of a decision that was from a coaching standpoint. And, you know, that's the difference. And so if you're getting the same odds on Monday as you were Saturday, and you have a completely different goaltending situation from Edmonton and a completely different circumstance situation where, you know, they need to tie the series. And again, some of these teams are going to tie the series in the in these games. And hopefully that's Edmonton for these purposes. Uh, hopefully that's the Rangers for these purposes. And, you know, hopefully not Calgary and hopefully not <laughs> Montreal. And, you know, hopefully that's the split going forward. Uh, let's flip it over to NBA and then we'll get out of here. A um, couple of lines that aren't necessarily out in a ton of spots here as of Sunday night. Of course, reminder, I shouldn't say reminder, but uh, just mention that Vancouver and Minnesota just ended here. Minnesota wins two to nothing. The under caches, Minnesota caches. So adjust your... Um, adjust your score, your scoring there, uh, as you see fit. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much either 10 and 0 or 9 and 1 on games and pretty much 9 and 1 when it comes to over unders. Uh, the only one again being Arizona and Nashville that got away from us a little bit there though. Again, that number dropped to five. So hopefully you're able to get in on the over there because that's a bit of an overreaction, uh, so to speak. So yeah, let's get into the NBA. We have, again, like I said, a bunch of different games here that are sort of loosely lined. Um, I'm seeing Miami plus four and a half against Toronto. Um, similar story, I think here that kind of plagued LA. I think Miami plus four and a half is the play here that could even go up. Um, again, given that Toronto beat the Lakers, but again, that was a game that was more important to the Raptors than it was to the Lakers. And I think this game is more important to Miami than it is to the Raptors. So, um, give me the points with Miami there. Um, Indianapolis, I'm going to take minus seven and a half. Um, I realize Oladipo is probably not playing here. In fact, I'm sure he's not playing. Um, but again, Washington, we're just going to sort of go back to the well, fading Washington. Uh, and on the flip side, OKC, a team that will keep sort of riding here. And I think in this short eight-game series type of setup, we just find teams that we like or find teams that we hate and just keep hitting them. And, you know, how bad could that possibly work out, right? It's worked out pretty well so far. And so, you know, Denver obviously super banged up. I don't know if Murray's going to be in. That's probably why that's off the board in most places. But I am seeing OKC minus four and a half in some spots. I mean, we'll see where that line actually ends up. Again, follow the Twitter feed. I'll let you know. But um, even at four and a half, like I'm fine with the Thunder. I really, really like that team. And I think that they're going to be overvalued for a little while here, to be honest. Um, mentioned the Pacers. That game is actually around the same time as Denver and OKC. Uh, Memphis and the Pelicans. Listen, if you want to give four and a half points with the Pelicans, be my guest. But that isn't going to work for me. Give me the Grizzlies plus the four and a half here. Um, I think that team's still playing with a ton of energy. I still think that they care. New Orleans, I'm not sure what's going on there. Obviously, the Zion, like, 
is he playing? How much is he playing? Is he effective even when he is playing? Um, is the team effective when he's playing? It's just a to me a huge mess. Um, and the Sixers are seven point favorites. Um, I you know I get that San Antonio not people are people aren't that excited to bet San Antonio, but I got to see the Sixers and these adjustments actually work before I'm looking to lay seven points with them. Um, so I'll be certainly leaning to San Antonio. Obviously having after confirming different. Um, you know, health situations, uh, you know, from those sides. And then the Lakers and the Jazz play. The Lakers are favored by six right now. To me, that's not uh, a game I necessarily want to get involved in. Things could change. Again, uh, like I say, always, um, you know, follow me on Twitter at MRSAuthentic for any updates, any changes. We're flying by the seat of our pants here at this point. So, you know, for any odds, changes, other notes, general commiseration, follow me, uh, shoot me a message if things are going well for you. Um, got some nice messages over the weekend um, from some really good dudes about uh, you know how pumped they were about how hockey was going. And that was really, really, really cool. So that's it. Again, I'm at MRussAuthentic on Twitter. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.